The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on? What is going on, everybody? Welcome. Welcome, everybody, into the Overreaction Buffalo Sports Show, brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. My name is Joe Miller. You can find me on Twitter if you so choose to, at Joe Miller Wired. I would just uh, ask you to probably not do so on game days, because me and Twitter and Bill's games, game days have not been friends lately. It's been, uh, yeah, not so much fun. Please do me a favor, whatever podcast or vidcast platform you are consuming this show on, please like, please subscribe. Uh, please leave a review if that's at all possible. Would love to get some, uh, some, some good comments. Would love to grow my base a little bit if that's even possible. And uh, please note as well, like I say every single week, this is the recording of a podcast. I am super chat live. However, I will not be wildly dialed into the comment section, even though there are some dudes and some dudettes jumping into the comment section right now. So good to have Richard rush. Autumn is in the room. Good morning, Robbie cycle jockey. Uh, that's a new one for me. Uh, T Estelle's in the room. Good to see you. Uh, good morning, Joe. Not happy. She says, uh, me either. Uh, Dave Allen. Good to see you. And then, uh, Joseph, it's also good to see you. Welcome everybody into the show. Uh, like I always say, whether this podcast <clears throat> finds you around a cup of coffee, like it is me this morning at the gym with your AirPods in on the drive to work or watching me live right now. Let me just say one more time. Welcome. As I take a sip of my brown cup of coffee instead of my brown, although it probably calls for some brown liquor this early in the morning, but it's five o'clock somewhere. Um, I am still struggling with a little bit of a chest thing. I don't know. So if uh, you are watching me live on uh, YouTube and I break away, mute and put up a different screen, it's probably because I'm coughing my brains out. So please just be patient. I'll be right back. <laughs> Not right now, literally, but like if that happens, don't be like, what happened? <laughs> the stream died. More than likely, it's because I'm, uh, yeah, hacking up along. So it is good to good to have all of you with me. As I said before, I'm going to I'm going to get into this thing. Um, it's not great. Um, 
uh, it's not going to be all bad either. I don't think I'm just going to basically talk through it. Uh, but before we do, let's hear from uh, the show sponsor, the market dominator. Everybody here is John Spascheck. Oh, oh, hello, hello out there, Bills Mafia. This is John Spaschak, Associate Real Estate Broker with Metro Roberts Realty, also the leader of the Market Dominators Real Estate Team, where we seek to educate, advocate, negotiate, and dominate. I am also the proud sponsor of the Overreaction Sports Podcast by my good friend, Joe Miller, better known as The Voice. Folks, if you are looking to try to navigate this real estate market, you better have somebody representing you who's a winner. And folks, we at the Market Dominators team are ranked in the top, in fact, less than the top 1% of all realtors in Western New York. You know why? Because we use the latest cutting edge technology and strategies to help you win in this market. So if you're looking to win by either buying a house or selling a home, you're gonna wanna reach out to us directly just the way our good friend Joe Miller did when he was looking. Call directly at 716-570-3298 and we will be happy to answer your call and help you navigate in a winning strategy in this real estate market. So we wanna wish everyone in Bill's Mafia a happy, safe, and successful week. And one more thing, go Bills. Go Bills, that is John Spaz. Check the market dominator. Please, if you're in the market to buy or sell a home or a property, please give John a call, 716-570-3298, 716-570-3298. And I do have a little bit of that morning voice. So those of you that uh, appreciate the timbre and the deepness of my voice, uh, you should probably appreciate that it's a little bit deeper in the morning. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just being silly. Uh, the season is officially half over. Not over. The season is officially half over for the Buffalo Bills. Nine games in the books. <clears throat> Eight to go. We do still have a bye week looming out there. Your Buffalo Bills have fallen officially to five and four, losing to uh, 20, 24 to 18 to a better Bengals team, both on the field and on the coaching staff, in my opinion. How many times can you stand at the platform or at the podium and impressors and blame the team for not playing complimentary football? Yes, that's effectively uh, how I'm opening this show. We, we are back to the days of I've got to check the tape. I've got to check the tape, which I believe was the Dick Duran days, right? I've got to check the tape. I'm not really sure until I check the tape. Well, Sean McDermott's go-to is basically a blast at the players at this point. All of the players, and he never really says which players. I guess they're just to assume which it was because the offense played like horse crap. Uh, the defense, you know, played well. They played admirably, you know, considering all the injuries and everything that they're going through. But when you just stand on the platform every single week and pair it out, we're not playing complimentary football. We're not playing complimentary football. There's an aspect to that phrase that says the problem is not me. The problem is them. I'm putting them in a position to win, but we are not executing and we are not playing complimentary football. So I'm just asking the question, Sean, how many times can we say that the problem is we're not playing complimentary football before we decide to effectively do our job and put the players in a position where they can play complimentary football? Because if execution is the answer, 
every single week or lack of execution. And every week, the other answer is we're going to figure it out. And it's week nine and we have not figured it out. But we're still playing, saying that we're not playing complimentary football. At some point in time, as a leader of men, you have to determine and deem that the problem is me. I'm the problem. It's me. And I know that if I had an opportunity to interview Sean McDermott, he would say, well, yes, Joe, that is the problem. The problem is me. It starts with me. I'm the head coach. Well, if it starts with you and you're the head coach and you're the one responsible for figuring this out, why are we still doing the same things that we've been doing week after week after week? And we're parroting the same things post game after every loss. We're not playing complimentary football and we aren't executing well and we're going to figure it out. I could probably show over right there, right? Doesn't that kind of wrap this whole thing into a nutshell? But alas, there's more. I've got more for you this morning. Uh, last week, as I told you, was kind of a week of no narratives. There really wasn't anything to, that kind of stuck out. It was just a it was a blase week. This week was different. This week is different. Uh, the Chiefs beat the Dolphins, meaning that if the Buffalo Bills had won this football game, they were back in first place. However, if the Bills lose or had lost this football game, not only is there an uphill climb to possibly make the playoffs, but it basically puts them in third place in the AFC for at least 24 hours on the outside of the playoff picture looking in to presumably if the Jets win tonight against the Chargers on Monday Night Football, they will be firmly in third place on the outside and looking into the playoff picture behind the Dolphins and the Jets. Everything is there was there for the Bills to take. Everything was lined up, not necessarily perfectly. You still had to go out and beat a very good Bengals team that has had your number for a long time and whose coaching staff consistently outcoaches your coaching staff, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the players on the Buffalo Bills aren't good enough to win. That doesn't necessarily mean that any given Sunday is no longer in effect. That doesn't necessarily mean that there weren't opportunities and chances to win even with what the referees were effectively the trash that they were calling. There was. This game was a winnable football game. Up, down, sideways, and backwards, this game was a winnable football game, and it it, it ended up in the loss column because of coaching. Yes, I know the players didn't execute. Yes, I know they gave up 24 points. Yes, I know the offense didn't score the points, but we, we, we are in... I said this a couple weeks ago. It's not, and thank God they stopped saying it's a week-to-week league. They stopped saying it after I called them out on it. Not that they listen to this show, because I know that they don't. But literally, I'm the one that said, because there were other content creators on it as well. Oh, it's a week-to-week league. All the, like, everybody but me, it's a week-to-week league. And I was like, it's not week-to-week when it's every week. And we've stopped saying that. And all of the other content creators have also stopped saying it's a week-to-week league. It's now firmly... Weekly, this is who we are. This was a winnable football game. And I know that there was stuff on both sides, but we're seeing the same mistakes. We're seeing the same ruts. We're seeing the same game plans. We're seeing the same things, and we're hearing the same coach speak. It's not getting fixed. Regardless, 
the Buffalo Bills had an opportunity to go out and rinse the bad taste out of their mouth of a bad playoff game last season. Thank God they didn't play that. Had they played like they played in the playoff game last year, I don't know what this show is. This, there might not be a show this morning. The Bengals, I think, are the only team in the NFL that realistically scare me whenever we play them. They just seem to have our number, and they seem to have this coaching staff's number. Every other team we line up against is like, oh, this is a, you know, the Cowboys are going to be a test, right? The Dolphins are going to be a test. The Chiefs, we beat the Chiefs. The Chiefs are going to be a test. When we play the Bengals, I'm like, man, I don't know. And you're talking about a Bengals team that, that, that came into this game four and three, that started really slow. Yes, I know Joe Burrow had the calf injury, which, by the way, they were they were zooming in. <laughs> levity they were zooming in on joe burrow's calves in the in the in the during the game D- does the du- the dude's got straws for calves like he has no calf muscles they're like oh and this was like they're zoomed all the way in on both of his legs like below the knees like and this was the calf that was injured and it's like i don't see a calf <laughs> i don't see anything i see a stick below his kneecap but i ain't seen no calf like if you if you've ever been near Deion Dawkins, the man has bowling balls for calf muscles. Like it's impressive, and they're super high. Like he's six foot three, six four. He's got a long bottom of his leg, and then there's this giant calf muscle at the top. Uh, Joe Burrow needs to basically ask the media to never zoom in on his calf muscles again because the dude doesn't have them. It was uh, funny, but anyway, uh, I digress. Um, the Bengals started out slow, four and three. Yes, I know Joe Burrow was hurt, but they're they're finding their stride. Coaching, they're figuring it out. They have figured it out. Coaching, coaching. That's been a, an interesting turn. The amount of people that I've seen on Twitter that have been where I have been, which is stop blaming McDermott, stop blaming the coaching staff necessarily. Yes, I've been on the Dorsey is somewhat of a problem bandwagon, but there's there was a wild turn. There was a wild turn in the game uh, on Twitter over the last. 12 hours now? I don't even know. Yeah, the game started 12 hours ago exactly. Uh, Just as far as like, hey, you know, I thought these people that wanted McDermott fired were crazy, but maybe. Maybe there's something to this coaching thing. Had a good conversation with Jerry Ostrowski last night via text, and we go back and forth because Jerry is a former player who sees the game differently than a fan does, and I that's what I love and appreciate about him and our relationship. And same thing with John Fina. They just see things differently. There's never an overreaction. And I would say that, you know, my show largely isn't an overreaction show either. However, we see things differently. And as much as he feels like they're the better team, the Bengals, and I agree, you, J- Jerry has very much been, the problem is not coaching. The problem is not uh, Dorsey. The problem is not McDermott. I just don't know how you line up these two coaching staffs, even through this season. And the games that they've played against each other and not be like, wow, Zach Taylor is way better of a head coach, more better, way better, a betterer, a much better head coach than Sean McDermott. Their defensive coordinator, as much as Sean McDermott is is, is actually calling plays well and coaching that defense well, their defensive coordinator is good, really good. Zach Taylor as an offensive coordinator is really good, really good. But the, the Buffalo Bills at five and three, now five and four. Let's just be honest and say that this season for the Buffalo Bills has been billsy, right? Is that the, the best way to describe it? For those of you that are new Buffalo fans, new Bills fans, and I know that there's several, 
that have only been Buffalo Bills fans. And this is not a diss since either right before Josh Allen came into the league or since Josh Allen has come into the league, there, there was a, there's a phrase of, of the way that the Buffalo Bills during the drought years would lose football games. It was a very billsy fashion. The wheels would come off at the worst time. They'd lay an egg. They would just do something that was the complete opposite of who they were, what you expected. They would shoot themselves in the foot. This season has been very billsy. So if you are not familiar with that term, welcome to the inside, the inner circle of Bill's Mafia. Billsy. I tweeted before the game, like literally right before the game started, that I, you know, this is a football team with multiple personality disorder. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not even sure who's going to show up. And we saw multiple personalities in this game offensively. We're going to talk about it. And at the end of the day, this is a team which can be good and can be bad. This is a team that plays to the level of their opponent every week. Every week they play to the level level of their opponent. Oh, the Patriots are going to come in with Mac Jones? We're going to play down to their level and give it a game. Oh, Joe Burrow's coming in? Pat Mahomes is coming in? Oh, we're going to play to his level. We're going to like get up for this game. Like, Where would you point the finger at that? If you've got a football team that consistently over the last several years has played to the level of their opponent, where are you pointing your finger? Is that Josh Allen's fault? Is that Vaughn Miller's fault? Is that Micah Hyde's fault that the team plays to the level of their opponent? Or does it speak to coaching? These are all questions I'm going to ask John Fina on the Off Tackle with John Fina show tonight, which is going to be at 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time as I cannot get home in time for the 8 o'clock version. Of a super chat coming in. James Rowe with the super chat. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. Appreciate you, buddy. Are we not enough complimentary coaching? <laughs> are we at, is it, I can't read it. My eyes are blurry. Are we at not enough complimentary? 100% we're not complimentary coaching. And the funny part is, is Sean McDermott is doing just enough and saying just enough to bring confusion to the fan base and the media as to what is really going on. We're not get, finding rhythm. Why are they getting out of the four-minute offense? I don't know. We're not scoring. Like Sean McDermott does coach speak like, you know, we got to score touchdowns and not kick field goals. We got to we gotta end every, every drive with points. Like he says things that aggressive head coaches want to say, but we're just at the point week after week that it's hard to believe it. It's hard to believe that what he is saying in post-game pressers and during the midweek stuff is literally who he is. It feels like there's two different conversations. It feels like he has multiple personality disorder as well, right? I'm going to be this guy in front of the media, and I'm going to tell them everything they want to hear and make them realize or at least believe that, like, I'm not the problem. We just don't play complimentary football, and I don't know why we're not executing and why we can't get a rhythm and tempo on offense, and I that, that problem is clearly in the other side. Like, that's the offensive staff's problem. Oh, but by the way, I definitely have a say in exactly like what the philosophy is for this offensive scheme. So is the problem you or not? Because you're bringing a lot of fuzziness to this conversation. <clears throat> Anyways, I tweeted that this was a team with multiple person personality disorder. A lot of you liked it and retweeted it and commented on it, commented, it, commented on it. Um, and we saw it in this football game. Um, People are jumping off the bandwagon, and they should have weeks ago. This is not the same football team that we saw in 2020, 2021, 2022. They're not. 
Actually, this is not the same football we saw 2020, 2021, and half of 2022 because halfway through 2022 last year, they kind of became this team. This is kind of who they were becoming, right? So Brandon Bean came out, I think, this past week and even said, we're a team still searching for its identity. Uh, bro, halfway, half the season's over. Half, 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 the, half, what? We're searching, half the season's over and we're searching for our, for our, our identity still? Coaching. At some point in time, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, all the coaching staff has to say, look, this is what we're probably really good at. There's a sample size out there. This is who we're going to be. I'm going to talk more about that in a second. I have way too many notes and I have way too many tweets to read. I don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but I am going to go at this game a little bit different. Um, I normally go through like a high-level summary. I go through the story of the game. Uh, you guys know what I do. I hit the stats, right? And then I, you know, just yada, yada. Um, I'm just going to talk about the Bills offense and the Bills defense real quick. But before I do, before I talk about any of this madness that's making me want to quit podcasting, I do need to address the referees and the officiating because I I tweeted out last night after one of the call. I think it was after the I think it was after the roughing the passer call on Tim Settle that the NFL product has just turned to shit. Like it's just not good. It's and, and the reason that it's not good is because the officials have become the stars of the show. There is something going on, and I'm not one to ever blame officiating. I I don't remember a time that I've come on this show. I'm not saying it's never happened, but I don't remember a time that I've come on this show and blamed a loss on officiating. I don't remember a time where I've like Bills would have won their game. I don't remember a time that I've given the 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 NFL and the officials and the Bills the dolphin treatment treatment. Right? Dolphins fans are all up in their feelings every time the Dolphins lose about how the game was stolen by the referees. I don't know that I've ever done that. It, it may have happened. I don't remember doing it. However, <clears throat> and I also don't believe that this game was lost because of the officiating. But this league has a huge officiating problem. It's league-wide, every game. Like, if you watch the Dolphins-Chiefs game, there was a, a roughing the passer call in that game that was like, how is that roughing the passer? Like, it has gotten out of control. It's a problem, and it makes me want to stop watching football because it tilts the game or the games end up becoming unfair, right? Because these are big, big calls. It's one thing to miss an obvious hold, which used to get missed all the time. We used to, but now that's happening along with missed trips. Trey Hendrickson tried to trip Josh Allen another time when he had gotten basically blocked out of the way, fell to the ground and then flipped his legs up in the air to trip, to trip Josh Allen. And if you remember Hendrickson is the guy last year that did the extra roll into Josh's, the bottom of his legs, his knees to make him gimpy in the DeMar Hamlin game. There's just, there's way too much stuff that gets missed. And then there's way too much stuff that's getting called. The officials are way too involved, way too involved in these football games. Let them play football. I, I am, I'm completely confused. It was after the intentional grounding call. I'm completely confused as to, to what is defensive holding anymore, illegal contact, 
and pass interference. Like I don't, I don't, I don't even begin to presume or to guess what they're going to throw a flag on and what they're not. I see guys getting to the to the to the receiver early all the time, no flag. I see guys defenders that barely tug on somebody and it's a flag. I'm now seeing guys with their back to the to the ball. The ball comes in and they're making contact with the receiver and they're no longer making that call for pass interference. I, I the intentional grounding piece for Josh Allen and he was Josh was livid. And he should have been because, as he said at the podium, I've never seen that called that way before. Neither have I. And if it, there's a lot of people that listen to this show and watch this show that watch a lot of football, some of you probably more than me, none of you have ever seen it. You have never seen intentional grounding with no pass rush where there's an option route for the receiver. The receiver and the quarterback are not on the same page and the ball goes over his head. That is not intentional grounding. There was no intention to ground the ball. Meanwhile, there was intentional grounding where the ball gets thrown away in the NFL all the time. If you're going to talk about intentional grounding, and we're going to be honest, it's a good play for a quarterback to throw the football away. We say it all the time. Don't take a risk. Don't take a sack. Don't force the ball. Just throw it away. If you throw the football away, it's intentional grounding. Joe Burrow did it several times. Josh Allen threw the ball away. There was one play later in the game where Joe Burrow was in the pocket, drifting back away from the, the rush that was on him. He throws the ball. It lands on the ground at the line of scrimmage, but that was in, he threw it intentionally to ground it to avoid the sack. The referees are just, and this is not a bills Bengals game situation. They're just way too involved, way too engaged, way too into the mix. There's flags every other play, every third play. It's out of control, and the NFL has to fix it. They have to fix it because I don't want to say the integrity of the league is at stake, but even when you go back to, and, and there's people out there that are pointing to and, and talking about gambling, that like since gambling has come into play, it's gotten worse, and it's hard to effectively argue that. Last week against the Buccaneers, the Bills were, I forget, 6.5 or 7.5 favorites or something like that. And uh, Mike Evans sh pushes off Christian Benford, catches the touchdown right in front of the referee to basically move inside that window of the spread. No flag. And it's just, you, it's hard. It's hard to, it's, it's the U.S. government, right? I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I know a lot of people who are, and there's a lot of fun conversations and like rabbit holes that you can run down about conspiracy theories. And what I tell people all the time is the biggest problem with conspiracy theories and the U.S. government is the U.S. government does just enough to make conspiracy, conspiracy theories believable. I'm going to say that again. The U.S. government does just enough to make conspiracy theories seem completely believable. And that's where we are with the NFL and officiating and gambling and basically rigging games. There's enough, just enough going on right now that it's like, huh, this seems rigged. It's a problem. I'm not saying it's rigged. I'm not saying that Vegas is involved. I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying that the refereeing situation has to be taken care of. All right, I'm running out of time. So you want to blame the defense. So getting down to, I'm going to break this down in two ways. I'm going to do the defense first. I'm going to do the offense. And there's a lot of going back and forth. And this show and the star, star, the host, star, that's a horrible thing to say. Sorry. The host of this show, me, the, the person that talks on the microphone and basically does this thing has been saying for weeks to the chagrin and hate filled tweets, retweets and comments of Bill's mafia that the problem 
for this football team is the offense. Everybody in the beginning of the season wanted to blame the defense. Well, the defense, the defense. Well, if they wouldn't have let them score, it's not the defense. And, and a lot of you are now starting to come around. You want to blame the defense because we watch this team give up bad penalties at bad times, or they, they give up a bad play or a bad third down conversion at a bad time. Or we see teams basically, you know, the offenses, opposing team offenses, you know, get eight yards on a carry or 12 yards on a carry. Or it seems like at times they're, they're moving the ball. The, the opposing team is moving the ball against us at 11 yards or 12 yards a clip. It's easy to go down that path. At the end of the day, what it comes down to is points per game allowed. And that's it. When it comes to defense, it comes down to how many points are you giving up? The Buffalo Bills gave up 24 points against the Bengals, 24. And it wasn't a situation where, in my opinion, that if the Bills were <clears throat> boat racing them and had scored 40, that the Bengals somehow would have executed better. The Bills adjusted defensively. They let them go down the field on the first drive, which is pretty typical for the Buffalo Bills recently. And then they made adjustments and began to squeeze and, and effectively found some things that worked and forced the Bengals into errors and mistakes, got some punts out of them and did some other things that were great. There was also a turnover on downs in there and basically got the Bengals somewhat out of their game plan until the Bengals adjusted and right and kind of found a little bit of a rhythm and a stride again, but 24 points. And over the season, this Buffalo Bills defense is holding teams to 18 points a game. They're fifth in the league. They're fifth in the NFL points per game against at 18, fifth. The Buffalo Bills are also sixth in the NFL in takeaways with 14, despite not having an interception since the Dolphins game. You've got Josh Allen as your quarterback, Stephon Diggs as your wide receiver, an upgraded offense. This is all offense stuff, but an upgraded offensive line and weapons all over the all over the place. And you can't score 21 points. You can't score 18 points a game. You can't score 19, I don't know, 20 points a game. You, you, you're telling me that you've got an offense, you've got a, you've got a much maligned defense that's put together with popsicle sticks and duct tape and you're telling me that your quarterback who's supposed to be an all-world talent and he has weapons around him including a budding star in Dalton Kincaid who is one of the smoothest pass catchers I think I've ever seen especially as a tight end the kid is incredible to watch him catch a football it's almost like his body just absorbs the football there's like no there's no jerky like catch motion the ball just it's weird. It's almost like computerized. It gets to him, and then like his body just absorbs the ball. You're telling me that this football team, this offensive team, inside of 12 or 14 drives in a game can't score two touchdowns and two field goals? That's what you're telling me. I don't believe it. I know you want to blame the defense. I know you want to blame the defense. You're talking about a defense that's pulling dudes off of the couch in last night's football game against the Bengals, giving them meeting, uh, meaningful snaps, and it's working. <laughs> like, it seems like this defense, I said it a minute ago, it seems like this defense gives up the worst play at the worst time at times. And it basically shapes our thought and our opinion of how the defense played the entire game. But holistically, 
This defense is playing good enough to win football games. It's not Trent Dilfer on the other side of the football. It's not Jared Goff on the other side of the football. The Buffalo Bills aren't rolling out, you know, a, a rookie quarterback or some guy. The, the Buffalo Bills aren't rolling out Josh Dobbs, who won a football game yesterday on the other side of the football. The Buffalo Bills aren't rolling out, you know, J.P. Lossman. They're not rolling out <laughs> Tyrod Taylor. They're not rolling out some other guy, Craig Nall. Go through the list of quarterbacks in Bills history over the drought years. That's not who we're, we're rolling out, Josh Allen. Meanwhile, Vaughn is still working his way back. Epinesa and Groot have vanished. Ed's splash plays have slowed, as have Terrell Bernard's. And the secondary at times seems very slow or at best limited. Last night, the game plan, and it worked, was to keep everything in front of them. If you dare Joe Burrow to go back and just throw the ball to his wide receivers uncontested, he's going to oblige you. And it worked. And what I mean by it worked is the bill still held them to 24 points. It was not, it was almost a, What's the best we can do game plan? And they held them to 24 points. The problem is not the defense. When the offense cannot consistently score more than 18 points, it's an issue. Or 24, 25, whatever number you want to throw out there. And I'm going to tell you something that a lot of you are not going to like. But I ran it by Chris Janke this morning and he agreed. If we're being honest with ourselves, you listening to me? If we're being honest with ourselves, when you look at the entire picture of what this Buffalo Bills defense has done this season, even if Matt Milano was healthy, Tredavious White was healthy, Daquan Jones was healthy, I'm not sure the outcomes of these football games would be very different in the win-loss column. They might very well be exactly the same or close. Would you flip a win? Maybe. But at the end of the day, the problem isn't the defense. 18 points per game. Well, Joe, they're not playing complimentary football. Well, what the hell does that mean? How about the offense play some complimentary football and score some freaking points? If you were on the these injuries matter bandwagon, if you were on the bandwagon in the soapbox of the injuries matter, it's why we're losing football games. Whether you know it or not, you are basically in the camp of we should win with suffocating defense. You are playing into Sean McDermott's hand. If you were on the these injuries matter because the defense should only be allowing 10 points a game or nine points a game, you are in the Sean McDermott camp of conservative football where we suffocate them with defense and we do just enough on offense to beat them. You're expecting the 85 Bears or the 2000 Ravens. That's what you're looking for. So I hate to ruin anybody's Monday with a little bit of truth and transparency, but that's where you are. The defense is doing enough. They're, they're doing enough. I don't know what to tell you. The defense is doing enough. And the reality is that Sean McDermott, as much as I have a problem with what's going on with the coaching in this football team, McDermott is actually calling. I said it earlier. And he's coaching this defense well. This defense is, is strapped together with rubber bands. And they're playing 
good enough to win football games. They are. Which brings us to the issue at hand. The issue on this football team is offense and coaching. But all of this is wrapped up in coaching. So don't 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 miss what I'm saying. The reason we're not winning football games on the field is because of the offense, but it all predicates and goes back to coaching. All of it. The offense this season, if you hear nothing, if you heard nothing else I said, if you're if you're at work, whatever, if you've heard nothing else I said, listen to me right now. The offense this season is an experiment. It's an exercise in futility. There's a force of structure being pushed down on the players on offense who've bought into something that they don't realize that they're not capable of executing. It's a structure based on one man's desire to play balanced, complementary football in a conservative approach, despite what he's telling the media. An approach, <clears throat> excuse me, an approach that used to work in the NFL but has been largely passed by. The biggest head coach who's still trying to do it is Bill Belichick. How's that working out for him? Good defense, run game, complimentary football. The Patriot way. Your team sucks, Bill. Well, we beat the Bills. Yes, you did. It's coaching. An approach that works if there's a dominant consistency across every phase of your football team. This conservative structure works. I'm going to say that again. It works if you're, that approach works very well if there's a dominant consistency across every phase of your football team. What is the one thing our head coach tells us 17 times in every presser? We don't play consistent complimentary football. Well, then why in God's name are you trying? Never mind. David Griffin with the super chat. David, appreciate you. David says, hi, Joe. Do you think our offensive woes can be fixed during the season, or are you worried that there's a deeper problem? The team just looks off. Dave, stick around. We're going to talk about this for real here in a second. Yes, I think it is fixable. I think the Bills know it's fixable as well. They just want to stick to this offensive philosophy that they are trying to force on this team, on Josh Allen, this team that has bought into it because they trust their coaches. <clears throat> which, by the way, I feel like there's a kink in that armor. I feel like there is, I think cracks are beginning to form. Whether it's Josh Allen at the at the at the at the at the at the, po at the podium last night or Dalton Kincaid's answers, you know, Sean McDermott, I don't have any answers on how to fix this. And Dalton Kincaid's like, I think I have an answer. <laughs> we seem pretty good in that up tempo offense. <clears throat> Why don't we just stay in that? <clears throat> Sorry, I apologize. Dalton Kincaid with the, with the rookie. The rookie tight end has answers. The head coach, the guy in charge of it all, has no answers. <laughs> Anyways, I've inferred it and I've talked around it, but the reality is Getting back to it's an approach that dominant, you know, that, that works if if consistency across every phase of your football team is there. It's an approach that also turns you into a hypocrite when you use the old philosophy you feel is who you are to kickstart the new philosophy you are trying to force the players to be. So I'm gonna break that down. I'm gonna say that again. This approach turns you as a head coach or a coaching staff into a hypocrite when you use the old philosophy you feel is not who you are. The old philosophy being the quick strike, attacking, 
up-tempo offense that fits Josh Allen and this team. When you use that philosophy, when you use the philosophy of we're, this is what happened in this football game, we're going to start the game, we're going to go four-minute offense, we're going to get rhythm, we're going to drive down the field and score a touchdown, check the box, it worked, and then we're going to go into the ball control, possession-based, balanced offense, and then score three points over the next three and a half quarters only to turn around and flick the switch again and go back to the offensive philosophy that you don't want to be, that you don't feel is good. You are a hypocrite. Literally, multiple personality disorder. This is what you saw in this football game last night. The Bills came out in the up-tempo, four-minute offense, went right down the football field, then took their foot off the gas and like, okay, we've got some rhythm and some tempo. Now let's go out there and let's, uh, let's not do that anymore. Let's try to have a possession style football game. And let's, let's just plod down the field and we'll have balanced offense. We're going to play complimentary football and blah, 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 blah. Three quarters later, we've scored three points. Uh, we're now down two touchdowns. We need to do something quick. What do we do? Let's go back to the old philosophy. That's not us. Newsflash. That is you. Brandon Bean. You're not listening to me, but if you can hear me, we're still a team searching for identity. No, you're not. Your identity is there. You're running away from it. Stop running away from who you are as a football team. Go back to it before the season is lost because we're about two games away from that if we're not there already. There's a chance. There's a chance that depending on how the chips fall for the rest of the season, the Bills in third place in the AFC East looking into the playoff picture from the outside are out of the playoffs right now. They could win out potentially and still be out of the playoffs. I know it's unlikely. It's like a 1% chance, but that's where we are. The Buffalo Bills twice used last night, used the four-minute up-tempo offense or the two-minute up, uh, 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 two offense to find rhythm only to move out of it, hoping that that rhythm would carry over into the offensive, into the offense or stay with the offense when they wanted to be a time-sucking possession-based team. It's not who they are. It's not who they are. And they're fooling themselves, trying to continue to force themselves into that game. That's not who they are. I don't care. I'll, I'll have conversations with Jerry and John and any other con content creator. That is not who they are. We want to run 12 personnel. They've been trying to run 12 personnel for three or four years. We hear, we hear about it. And they didn't really run it last night. I know Quentin Morris was back. But even when they were trying to force 12 personnel, it's not who they are. They are a they are they are an up-tempo, not to not no huddle, but they are an up-tempo, spread wide, RPO, quick strike passing team. That's who they are. They just need to freaking find a run game that will fit it. It's, it, it, it seems like that's the easier part. How do we develop a run game that fits what we're trying to do versus let's completely be something we're not because we want to run the football? The problem is the offense. And you can try to argue that the Bengals' defense adjusted, right, and shut down the Bills for a couple of quarters. It, you know, I, I, would, I, would, I would listen to, I would potentially... Um, accept some of that 
conversation of, well, they get paid over on the other side of the ball and they made some adjustments on defense and they shut us down for three and a half quarters, except for the fact that when the Bills needed to, they flicked the switch, turned it right back on and went right down the field. Yes, I know Dalton Kincaid fumbled the ball on one of them and they kicked a field goal on the other one, but the reality is, is they could not, they had cement shoes on for three quarters and when they needed to, they flicked the switch and went right down the field, going back to who it is that they are that works. Period. Period. Use your brain. It's not a defensive adjustment. Did they adjust? Sure. Are the Bills just better than other teams in that in that offensive scheme? They are. That's who they they we've watched it. Jay Spencer King and I talked about it on the Hump Day Hotline last week. Don't be mad at us for wanting more. You gave this to us. You set the standard, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills and this coaching staff. I know Brian Dable is here, but you set the standard. This is who you told us you were going to be. And I think it all comes down to this. I'm not necessarily, I talked a minute ago, to set this up, I talked a minute ago that I feel like that there's cracks starting to form, that there's kinks in the armor. I am not necessarily a Gabe Davis detractor. So I'm not a Gabe Davis should not be on this football team. Yes, I have said I don't understand the love for Khalil Shakir. And I will say this, Khalil is making some huge plays in this offense. He's finding his way. It's finally starting to click. He's getting rep, uh, rep, He's getting reps, and Josh Allen is finding him. It's been great to watch. It's been fun to watch. Still have a little bit of trust issue with him, but I, it's been fun. I'm not a Gabe Davis detractor either, but I'm also not a Gabe Davis stan. I think Gabe Davis is a great, I've said this a hundred times, third wide receiver in the NFL and a marginal number two. That does not mean that Gabe Davis is a bad football player. It does not mean that Gabe Davis should not be on the Buffalo Bills. It means that he's solid, but limited, and that's okay. That is the definition of most starting NFL players. Solid player, great athlete, limited in some areas. Not everybody is Stephon Diggs. Not everybody is Devontae Adams. It's okay to be solid and limited. But one of the most telling things, and this is where I'm going with this, was in Josh's press conference last night. He was asked specifically about Gabe Davis. Getting targeted last week, and the offense seemingly seemed to open up. Seemingly seemed. The offense opened up last week by targeting, it seemed like, by targeting Gabe Davis, the offense opened up. Even though that's not what happened. They were playing the RPO up-tempo offense the whole entire freaking game, which allows Gabe Davis to get open, by the way. That benefits Gabe. Gabe Gabe thrives in that offense, as does Josh, as does Steph Diggs. Anyways. But they asked Josh, what happened? He only got targeted once or twice. He had no receptions. Was it by design, or were the plays just not there? Was he not getting open? Josh responded, I don't know. Until I watch the tape, I'm not going to know what happened. I was just trying to run the plays that were called and trying to execute them. That's a very, very telling comment. The plays that were called, basically, if you're going to read between the lines, which I'm going to do for you, and I could be wrong, that says to me that the plays that were called did not lead me to Gabe Davis. He was not part of the game plan. 
Why would your number two wide receiver not be part of your game plan? Maybe you want to feature Dalton Kincaid, which they somewhat did. Dalton had a great football game. But I was just trying and to, to run and execute the plays that were called. And if we are going to do the math, those plays that were called, again, not only kept him away from Gabe Davis for the whole game, but kept him away from Stephon Diggs for about two and a half quarters. So somebody needs to be marching into Ken Dorsey's office and asking him, what are the plays that you're calling? And what is the desired outcome? I Yeah. That's just, it's just a very telling response. Aside from in my opinion, the lack of ability to work through his reads freely, having having play calls that come in that give him the ability to look, to scan the defense, not be predetermined. It's just completely predictive of where the ball's going to go by the play call versus letting the play develop, Josh taking advantage of the defense. It's just one more time that shouts that the problem is coaching. The problem is is coaching. They still have no idea who they want to be on offense. And when they do get any sense of flow in the game, tempo, rhythm, they shoot themselves in the foot, whether it's by a bad penalty, a bad drop, or by completely moving out of the offensive scheme that gives them their sense of rhythm and flow. The reality is, is there's a huge amount of talent on this offense. This is there are there are there are stars lined across this offense. The offensive line is better this year. They're better. They just can't seem to put it together consistently to play complementary football. And I'm not kicking dirt on this football team. I'm going to say that again. I'm not kicking dirt. I'm not saying the season is over. I'm not kicking dirt on this football team, but the holes dug. I didn't dig the hole. They dug the hole. There's a hole. There's a six-foot hole dug in the 2023 season. I'm not kicking dirt dirt on them, but the hole's there. And if that sounds like me counting them out, like they come into into, into these pressers and say, everybody's counting us out, blah, 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 blah. If that's me counting them out and that's how they feel, then they can use it as, and if they can use it as fuel, good. Because it's only going to fuel them until the next time that they drop out of the up-tempo offense, try to go back to the time-sucking possession-based offense, and they shoot themselves in the foot and go three and out. Because I'm not the problem. My words aren't the problem. The offensive scheme is the problem. And that's just what it is. So I have 90 tweets to read. Um, I'm not going to be able to get to 90 tweets. Um, this went way longer than I thought it was going to. Um, it's funny. I, the, the amount of times that I set this show up and I'm like, mm, this is going to take about 15 minutes. I'm going to read tweets for 20. We're going to be out in 30. And then here we are 50 minutes in and I haven't even gotten to the tweets. So I apologize to everybody that tweeted. I do appreciate you. And I appreciate the, um, what's the word, not the culture, but just the rhythm that's gotten there. Like those tweets have gone from like 18 a week, 15 a week to like 90. (laughs) I'm going to start doing a show just on the reading of the tweets. It's gotten, it's gotten 
awesomely out of control. I appreciate all of you. And I, and, and by in no small part, probably because of Trish, uh, who's running the overreaction buff handle and social media stuff. Like she's doing an incredible job. And I know that that's brought a lot of exposure and, um, what's the word, just attention to a handle that I ignored a lot over the last five years, but yeah. So thank you. Thank you everybody for that. So I'm going to get you guys out of here. I appreciate all of you. I'm going to leave you with this. This is what I'm going to leave you with before we go. It's Monday. We, uh, what we play the Denver's this coming week on Monday night football. You know, while the Buffalo bills season is assuredly not over, the season is not over. There's eight games left. The reality is the Buffalo bills right now are in third place in the AFC East third place. And if the Jets win against the Chargers tonight, which they could, seems unlikely, but they could, they will be in third place for the rest of this week until they play next week. They are on the outside of the playoff picture looking in. The reality is, is they've got to get some things figured out, which they have said that they're going to do and that they're working on. And we got to get this figured out. The time is now. The time is now to get things figured out. Because I'm going to be honest with you. It's not impossible. The season is not over. However, with games against the Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, and Dolphins still on this this calendar, and the Jets who beat you, and the Patriots who beat you, it's not looking great. It's not looking great, fam. So, I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, and I don't want to be Mr. Negativity, although that's what it seems like it is. I'm just being realistic. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been tuned into the Overreaction Buffalo Sports Show brought to you by the Market Dominator on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. My name is Joe Miller, the voice of this year's show. Uh, stick around. It is Monday uh, tonight, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Off Tackle with John Fina Show. Uh, we're going to go through it and then, uh, yeah, look for all the other amazing content on Buffalo Rumblings going forward. Ladies and gentlemen, I love you. I appreciate you. We're in this together. We're all, I'm branded. You see it on my chest, the Buffalo Bills logo. We'll be here doing this thing together for the rest of the season. Love you guys. Go Bills. Don't tell.